Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody. Our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch. Now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. Geico makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your Geico claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. Geico, great service without all the drama. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends and well-wishers. Yes, this is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast, and actually an official taste tester of 7-Up. I didn't know this, but apparently he is. So, Jay, I gotta ask you, what makes a good citrus cola? A good balance of lemon and lime, of course, that's most important. Uh, yeah. bubbles, but not too many. Mm-hmm. And uh, Seven Up, which is, in my opinion, the goat of the lemon lime sodas, the ability to cure a stomach ache when you're not feeling well. Uh, Sprite or Sierra Mist, which do you like better? I like Sprite better. Sierra Mist is too filling. I I like that ad- that answer. That's uh exactly the vibe that I would go for with that. But you know what? We're not here to talk about soda. You know what? We're here to talk about the red the hot red Black hot Hawks. Chicago Blackhawks. Two games in a row, two overtime wins in a row for the Blackhawks over the Dallas Stars. And, uh, dude, we talked about the stretch of four games against Carolina and against Dallas, and the Hawks take seven of eight? 
That is correct. That is something. Thanks for joining us here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod, Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. You can email us, MadhousePod at gmail.com. Buy our merchandise, MadhousePodMerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. For all your team outfitting needs, wait, no, I said that twice. If you can wear it, they can make it at Triple Threat Sports. Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. And uh, everything Madhouse Podcast lives at MadhousePod.com, including... The opportunity to order a signed copy of my book. I just got a new case at my house. I've got about 19 left. So if you've been holding out hope uh, to get a signed book by me, go to madhousepod.com slash book, and you can do that there. All right, without further ado, let us sing the praises of our beloved Chicago Blackhawks. And James, I can't help but think back to the two podcasts we did after the games against Tampa and how we were just sort of resigned to, it's going to be a tough year. More games are going to be ugly than they are pretty. But lo and behold, the Chicago Blackhawks are competitive, dare I say, good, pretty good. Hmm. Let's see. We we kind of have to uh, temper ourselves at least a little bit here because I know that, you know, this we're still early in the season. We're only a quarter of the way into this thing. But, I mean, you you just have to look at it. The... Blackhawks, we definitely were looking at them as a team that we're going to have probably some growing pains this season. A lot of really young guys on the roster, obviously. Weren't sure how any of them really were going to kind of react to the, you know, the pressures of the big stage. And yet it's really those guys who are driving this whole thing. You've got Kevin Lankinen, who is playing just insane netminder and goal for the Blackhawks. They came into this game today since January 22nd had the best save percentage in the NHL since that time, better than 940 save percentage for the Blackhawks since January 22nd. Lankinen obviously has been a huge part of that, was awesome again tonight, especially in the second period of this game. And then even on the last goal of the game, the game winner in overtime, who was it that was making the play happen? It was Lankinen, first NHL point for him, by the way. You had Brandon Hagel crashing the net on that play. And then you had Pew Suter scoring the goal after making the turnover that led to the first Dallas goal of the game. Suter's the one who seals the game winner, his fifth goal of the season. It's these young kids, man. And I know that obviously Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane have both been really awesome. But this youth movement for the Blackhawks, just top to bottom, the young guys are getting it done. And man, is it fun to watch. It's pretty wild to think that this team is arriving as soon as it is. And, and you're right. We're, we're all excited. We're basking in the glory of this. Um, and we should be. You should be enjoying it. The point of being a sports fan is to enjoy it when good things happen to your team. But what I'm saying is you've got a team who you really weren't sure what to expect this year, right? You know, you were excited about Kirby Doc. Then he's out for the year. And then Taves is out. And you're like, okay, well, and he hopes they had it being at least halfway decent or pretty much out the window. Well, we're at the quarter mark right now of the season, believe it or not. And I know you're going to look at the standings. You see the Hawks in third place. It's not really real because they have four games in hand against a lot of teams in a division. But winning percentage-wise, they're fifth. They are uh, one spot out of a playoff spot in the Discover Central Division. Please give it its full name. Uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay with an 850 winning percentage. Second is Florida at 800. 
Carolina, 700. Uh, Dallas, 650. Then the Blackhawks, 571. So they're right there. They're within striking distance. And, um, you know, I wanted to get to this a little bit later, but it hasn't been thrown out that Jonathan Taves is coming back this year. I was reading Ben Pope's piece. Stan Bowman addressed this on Sunday. Here's a quote. I don't have an update on Jonathan, and when I say this, I mean it. It's not like we have any additional information that we're holding back. All we know is he's not ready to play right now. When he's feeling better and ready to join the team, he'll be back. I have no doubt, knowing Jonathan as long as I have, that when he's ready to be back, he'll be back. Until that happens, we're just giving him the time and the space needed. We're not really trying to hound him. He knows that we're ready to embrace him when he's feeling up to it, and until that happens... We're going to let him work through things on his own timeline. This does not sound like, look, and, and the, the reality, I understand it, is that people still don't really know what's going on. I know there's been a million Twitter rumors. People tweet at me and at you all the time and say, what about these rumors? Twitter rumors are hugely, hugely dangerous. They're usually one guy says it, then someone else says, I heard this. I heard this too. And it spreads like wildfire. Don't believe it. The people in the organization don't know. And if they did, Stan Bowman wouldn't be saying he'll be back when he's ready to be back. That's not how you talk when you think someone's got something that's going to keep him out for their career or whatever. But it's just kind of crazy to think that here they are competing against the best teams in the league, holding their own, looking good, and they're not even close to full strength. Right, missing their top two centers for sure. And you had mentioned earlier the win percentage for the Blackhawks and kind of where they're at with that. I saw an interesting piece in the – again, another interesting piece in the Athletic yesterday. It was basically a breakdown of the projected standings for the rest of the season. They have the Chicago Blackhawks. We had had kind of discussed where they kind of fit into the grand scheme of things in the Central Division, I know, on a previous podcast – The Blackhawks right now, according to The Athletic, going into games yesterday, so this has not been updated through today, projected to have 59 points, which is tied with Nashville for fifth in the Central Division and one point ahead of Columbus. They have a 26% chance of making the playoffs. According to The Athletic, they are currently projected to finish six points behind the Florida Panthers. So The Athletic not thinking this is necessarily overly flukish, for the Blackhawks, they think they're going to probably be right there in that four to five range. And I hate to say this because, you know, we're only a quarter of the way into the season. Fourth place gets you into the playoffs, man. Yep. And when I'm trying to look at this thing, I'm trying to think of where's the regression coming from, right? Like, okay, what's going to drop off drastically? And there's going to be a reality check for the Blackhawks. Safe to assume that Kevin Lincoln is not going to have a 940 save percentage for the whole season. That would seem unlikely. The other thing would be, I don't think the power play will continue at the success rate it's had all year. Those those are two things you could probably count on slipping a little bit. Player-wise, Kurashev's shooting percentage is like 25. That's not going to to stay, right? That's not going to remain where it's at. I'm guessing that's correct. But at the same time, okay, those three things are whatever aside, and there's probably a few more. Eventually, Carl Soderberg's going to figure things out. He's looked better every game when he starts getting to game speed and learning the system and all those sort of things. Ian Mitchell's going to continue to improve. Nicholas Bodan, by the way, really solid game. 
Nothing to show for it on the score sheet, but 15-28 of ice time. That dude is making a, a case to continue playing even when Adam Boquist is up to speed and ready to go. Well, that's what I was that's what I was leading to, and you and I had this discussion before we started the podcast. You address seven defensemen without Connor Murphy and without um, uh, Adam Boquist ready to play. Madison uh, Bowie gets in a game, and you know you have a reason for that, which you'll explain to the listeners here in a moment. But you dress seven without two of your best. Could there be a deal coming? Could the Hawks be looking at this thing and saying, look, how do we bench Bodan? How do we bench Carlson? How do we bench these young defensemen that have played so well when we've been talking nothing but development, development, development? Maybe a move's coming. Maybe uh, maybe a Calvin DeHaan or a Connor Murphy or somebody like that is going to get shipped out of town to make room for these guys. They said, when we talked to Stan Bowman and everyone else on earth talked to Stan Bowman, we were sort of confronting him with this log jam. Like, what are you going to do? You've got all these players in only so many spots. And he said, well, if guys play well, that that's a good problem to have. And it gives us the opportunity to make some moves around it. So maybe the, maybe a move is coming sooner than we think. I don't know. But right now, I just want to enjoy how well the Hawks are playing, how competitive they're being. And one thing I want to get to before I forget, over the last few, what, maybe five days or so, twice Alex DeBrinkhead has mentioned the team buying into the system. Patrick Kane has mentioned it once as well. At some point, gang, we're going to have to give some credit to Jeremy Colleton. I know it's hard. I know everyone doesn't like him. I know he's far too attractive. And I know that he replaced a legend. But at some point, if this team was getting their ass kicked, you would blame Jeremy Cowton. You have to give him some credit when they're being way more competitive than anyone expected. And oh, yeah, Stan Bowman has to get some credit, too. Okay, so here's where I'm at with all of that. You hit it right on the button there, Jay. (laughs) Thanks, Stan. I'm not going to acknowledge that you hit it right on the button, Dagnabbit. Let Stan do that. But I think where I would start is something that you had mentioned previously in this podcast, which was the idea of regression, the idea that there are certain things the Blackhawks are doing well right now that they're not going to probably continue to do the rest of the season. You brought up Philip Kurashev's shot percentage, Kevin Lankin and save percentage. Yes, those are obviously going to go down. The power play percentage will go down. The penalty kill, which out of nowhere, yeah, all of a sudden the really. Blackhawks have killed, I think it's like 26 of their last 27 penalties or something like that. It's insane how well special teams has been playing for this team, and they really have been kind of carrying the load. We see it game after game. The possession numbers are going against the Blackhawks, not to an insane degree most of the time, but enough to be noticeable. And the special teams are really kind of helping to even that out, and so is the goaltending for this team. So what I would say about Jeremy Colleton and this idea of giving him credit, I'm going to say at this moment right now, ignoring what's going to happen coming up here down the line, I'm going to give Colleton credit for creating power play units that have worked, for creating offensive lines that have worked, and potentially for helping to develop some guys that I think hadn't quite taken the steps that they've currently taken in the NHL. I'm looking at a guy like Matthias Yanmark as a good example of that. Obviously, Suter is a guy who we can put into that category as well, since he obviously is new to the North American game. 
I'm going to give him credit for those things. But what I'm going to do is withhold some of the credit that I think other people might be ready to kind of throw at his feet. I'm going to withhold that until we see the regression that is going to come in this special teams area. And until we kind of know a little bit more about the long-term prognosis of Jonathan Taves coming back into this mix and see how the team kind of reacts to that if he does end up being out for the remainder of the season or anything like that, I'm going to go ahead and play it cautiously. I'll parcel out a little bit of credit to Jeremy Colleton, but I think there are a lot of caveats that you have to attach to that. Oh, I still can't stand the defensive system. The man-to-man thing drives me crazy. And there was the, a moment- the whole idea of switching spots on the ice. The yeah. Blackhawks are not fast enough to do it. You cannot tell me that that system works for a guy like Calvin frickin' DeHaan. Or Nikita Zadorov. It and it- Oh, my God, no. That's why <laughs> even in games they win – there are shifts where the Hawks are pinned deep for two, two and a half minutes. And there was a moment today, because it affects the forwards too, third period, the puck is coming from behind Dallas's net up the left wing board. So you're looking at your TV left to right. Dallas's goalie is on the left, uh, and the Hawks are on the right. So the puck's coming on the left side of your TV from behind Dallas's goal up the left wing boards. Kubelik is right there, but Kubelik's got to get to his man. So Kublik abandons a puck <laughs> that's coming his way <laughs> in the offensive zone. But that that see anyway, it's not a night to get to rip the system. The system <laughs> not a huge fan, but it's getting results. It's getting results right now, so I'm not gonna complain too much. But that to me is the thing with Calton is like, what are you looking at that makes you think the system's gonna work? Anyway, anyway, beyond that, I, I just think that we need to, and I say this about players all the time, don't evaluate them based on who they were traded for. Evaluate them based on how they play. You've got to say the same thing about Jeremy Cowton. Don't don't analyze Jeremy Cowton based on replacing Joel Quenville because you're not going to find any coach that's going to live up to that standard unless Scotty Bowman's coming downstairs. And I think we've seen enough over the years of the Blackhawks' power play being comically bad that – Credit does have to be given for the way that's turned around. And I know, obviously, we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and for them to go through some struggles. But kudos to Colleton and the coaching staff. They got the guys in the right positions to make that successful. And that does include Nicholas Bodan, who, again, was a really good weapon and a good asset on that power play tonight. Like you said, even though he didn't get on the score sheet. Bodan just, he fits that role so well. He plays with confidence. He's assertive. You know what he does, Jay Zawoski? He does things immediately. He doesn't overthink it. He acts, and that is exactly what you need out of a power play quarterback, and that dude does it. How the hell do you take him out of the lineup right now? You can't. You can't. And I tweeted it yesterday when I saw that Bokus was off the COVID list. What do you expect the Hawks to do with D? Now, we did find out that Boquist did indeed have COVID. So even though he's been removed from the COVID list, he's not ready to play just yet. He's going to skate and get back in game shape and probably feeling physically better uh, before he takes the ice again. But I think it's seven defensemen going forward until they figure out something else. Because you're right. You cannot sit Nicholas Bodan. There's no way. And if you look at the guys who you could probably justify sitting, I know everyone wants to sit Zadorov, but his last two games have been significantly better. Significantly mm-hmm. better. And this is a free look at a guy who the Hawks think 
could be a pretty solid defenseman someday. I wrote this down the other day. Just, you know, I was sitting here at my computer as I do sometimes, just kind of daydreaming and Aww. thinking about Connor Murphy's development. Okay. When Connor Murphy got to Chicago, he was an unfinished product, right? He was not really, you could tell there was, you could see, okay, there's a little bit of, you maybe see what Sam Bowman saw there when he traded for him. Connor Murphy was drafted 20th overall in 2011. Uh, the last game he played was his 455th NHL game. So really came into his own. Probably where you counted on him every night as a as a key piece of the team last season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, so about 400 games into his NHL career, right? Yeah. Nikita Zadorov drafted 16th overall in 2013, has played 368 games. And I know people look at him and see this giant guy and they see, you know, first round pick. They see that he's been traded um, from Colorado to Chicago. Well, Connor Murphy was a first round pick. He was traded to another team. It takes defensemen time to develop. I know everyone's frustrated with Zadorov's play. I am too, but I don't want to see him sit because I feel like that could be a pretty key piece in the years to come. And I want to give him as much of a look as you can when it's a development year. That's the guy you want to take a look at because he's a restricted free agent. you got to figure out what you're going to do with him, re-sign him, let him go, whatever. So if you're going to sit, guys, to me, they're never going to sit Keith. It's Murphy. It's DeHaan. Those are my two candidates to sit when Bocas comes back. I think you can rephrase that as even if they tried to sit Keith, he would tell Jeremy <laughs> Collison to go screw himself. Basically, yes. He would go hockey Jesus on him and tell him to go screw himself. So He'd like pull the Obi Wan Kenobi thing and like wave his hand and Colleton <laughs> would suddenly think he's a chicken. But look, like th- again, it's a good problem to have. But the Hawks have a serious and look, it's not just a logjam on defense. When when Taves comes back, if he comes back this year, and Kirby Doc come back next year, there's other guys that probably deserve to play that aren't going to play. It, it also, I need to remind you, Lucas Walmark and Ryan Carpenter are still on yes, the COVID list. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. It's, I never thought. And here's what I, the thing I asked myself: Had Taves and Doc not been hurt, would Kurashev have gotten a look? I don't know. I don't think he would have. I, I think the numbers game would have worked against him. I do. I easily think Suter would have been in the mix. I cannot say the same thing about Kurashev. Yeah. So, I don't want to say blessing in disguise, but it's good these guys got to look. And now I wonder, too, if they're like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have signed Carl Soderberg <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's a guy we're getting. It's a million bucks. It's not the end easily of the world. Easily tradable, dude. Easily tradable. Absolutely easily tradable. But uh, I think they see him as like, well, he's here, so we might as well play him. But that would be a guy, too, if they're looking to make a move. I, I, if he's here at the deadline, I'm shocked. Unless they are somehow truly competing for a playoff spot maybe they keep him around but if they're if they start to regress a little bit as we expect they probably will a little bit i i think he is maybe the top candidate to be moved at the deadline i i keep thinking about moving connor murphy and i keep thinking it's that tough it sounds like a good idea because you can potentially get assets back for him but it's really hard to find a guy who can play at his level for the cost that he brings. And I know the Blackhawks are not going to operate as a cap ceiling team right now as they're kind of trying to, excuse me, go through this rebuilding process. But 
I don't know, man. I just I don't know if you want to necessarily mess with this mix. And I know you do need to get guys like Lucas Carlson and Wyatt Kalyanuk and these guys more time as they're healthy and they're able to play. <sighs> I don't know, man. Trading a guy like Murphy is really hard. I don't know how I feel about it right now. I'm I'm extremely torn, I guess well, I would say. Well, let's look at it here. Connor Murphy's 27. Uh, he makes $3.85 million this year and next, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So he'll be due a pretty large contract. Mm-hmm. We know he's got back issues. However, he's only 27. He is probably your best defending defenseman right now. I think you were absolutely correct in saying that. He's a leader. He can play both sides. Um. You know, that's a guy who he wears an A on that sweater. That means something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It th- That's the thing. So now maybe you look at your organizational depth and say, well, Bodan's playing really well. Maybe you can get something more for him. I don't know. Stan Bowman is in a tough spot here. What do you do? And how I do you tell? Like- and now you've got fans like, wait a minute. They're starting to notice the Hawks and then they're going to trade a veteran. I don't know. It's really tough, man. There are a lot of questions that. Maybe he wasn't prepared for. Maybe maybe this team is better quicker than he expected. But, hey, man, good for I us. Hate, good I for Hawks fans. Fr- I hate to frame it like this. And, you know, beat me up if you must, Blackhawks Nation, whatever. If it's getting to close to the trade deadline and the Blackhawks are still hanging around that playoff race, the right thing to do probably for the development of the team is to unload a veteran and to get young guys more playing time. Agreed. But you're not going to lose enough games to get a good draft pick if you do that. So why not hold on to the veterans, roll the dice, and see what you can do? And that like kind of goes against the whole idea of a rebuild. But playoff opportunities are few and far between sometimes in this league when you're trying to rebuild. And can you imagine the impact that a playoff appearance would have on a guy like a Suter, a guy like a Boquist, a guy like a Bodan? It'd be awesome. Like, ugh. You're in a weird position there because it's like, well, even if we trade guys now, we're not going to finish, you know, seventh or eighth in the division. We're not going to get a very high draft pick. At that point, you might have to just go for it and say, screw the trade thing. It's not a not a fun position for, you know, me to imagine, but I'm sure Stan Bowman could think of way worse problems to potentially have to deal with than that. Hold that thought real quick. Hold that thought because it's a good one. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends at Dr. Squatch. You saw Dr. Squatch on the damn Super Bowl. I did not know Squatch had Super Bowl money. I'm going to have to renegotiate our deal, James. <laughs> I was, was going to bring that up today, but you beat me to it. So now you know, by seeing the commercial, Dr. Squatch is a premier handmade in the USA soap, hair care, skin care company. I love them. I took a picture of my shower the other day and put it on our Instagram story. I had four bars of Dr. Squatch lined up, the hair care kit. It was a view inside my shower from the angle you want to see where you can't see my nude, lathered body at all. It's all just soap and shampoo, I promise. Um, go to DrSquatch.com. Peruse the items you see there. When you're ready to check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order while helping the podcast at the same time. I'm going to recommend a couple of specific items. The new soap. I just got it. The Wood Barrel Bourbon. This is a quote from my wife. Jay, if you wear that, I'll do things to you. (laughs) 
So you're going to want to get yourself at least a couple bars of the Wood Barrel Bourbon. That's the brand new one. My favorite is, is in the mail, by the way. So I'm hoping my wife says the same thing to me. Well, I smelling it myself, James. I think she's going to. Mm. And uh, my favorite, the Cool Fresh Aloe and the Cold Brew Cleanse. Those are my favorites. But the hair care kit's great. The toothpaste is great. And I love the deodorant, especially the Bay Rum deodorant. Absolutely fantastic. DrSquatch.com, promo code madhouse20 to save 20% on your order of $20 or more. All right, back to the thought you're holding. You said, what could a playoff experience do for Boquist, Bodan, those guys? Now that we're a quarter way into the season and we look at the Blackhawks that had first-time playoff experiences last year, uh-huh. to bring it. Kubalik. Kirby Doc. Doc. Dylan Strom. Did he ever make the playoffs as a coyote? I don't think so. I don't think so either, but if we're wrong, I'm sure the fans will let us know. There's people that had their first playoff experiences last year. And of those names I listed, all of them have had significantly better seasons and starts to the season than they did last year. The Brinkett is playing at an all-star level right now. He is supremely confident with the puck. He is effective in all zones. I have been really impressed with his play, and you're seeing why this guy got a $6.5 million contract last year. He is showing it. Dylan Strom has been effective in all zones uh, on the power play, setting up plays from behind the net, getting in front of the net when it's his turn to do so, and on and on and on. So, and look... It's maybe it's a stretch to draw a direct correlation between last year's playoffs and their improvements. They're just good players and they got better. But it seems like that exposure, even, you know, Highmore. Look how good Highmore played in the playoffs last year. Those mm-hmm. things do matter. And that's what Stan Bowman's gonna have to decide is if they truly have a playoff shot, and who knows if they will, how do you treat the trade deadline? That is the maybe the biggest question going forward right now. In my ideal world, the best scenario that I could think of right now for the Blackhawks would be instead of selling at the trade deadline, you stand pat. Stand pat. And the big acquisition that you make is adding Jonathan Taves back into this mix. Can you imagine a Jonathan Taves who only has 15 games or so of wear on his tires if he comes back later in the season and then is healthy for the playoffs? And probably super motivated, too. God, that'd be huge for them. And I and it kind of it's still in the back of my mind, there's all these alarm bells going off right now because we're talking about Blackhawks and playoffs in the same sentence and not being laughed off of the podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> with the way they have played and all of the caveats thrown out there that we have thrown out there during this edition of the show, it's not obscene to suggest that they can sneak in as a four seed right now based on the way that they're playing. We didn't think Kevin Lankinen was going to be this good. We kind of had an inkling that Suter would be solid, not what he's been. Kurashev obviously has been a huge blessing for the team. Hell, Matias Yanmark has five flipping goals. Yeah. Seriously. It's like, okay, like, you just look up and down this roster, and it's just like, guy I didn't expect to perform, guy I didn't expect, guy I didn't expect, da-da-da. And then you add on top of that the Stroms and the Debrinkets and the Canes who have taken the steps forward, and, you know, obviously in Kane's case at least, the consistent play that he's shown. 
this team's really interesting. They're really fun. And the things that they're doing well and the players that are playing well right now, it's awesome, man. I'm really enjoying this. No, and, and if you're not enjoying it, I mean, why are you even a fan? You know, it's you might want to say, oh, you know, big picture, they're losing draft position, whatever. Fine. Who the hell cares? They weren't going to get the number one pick. Have you seen how bad Detroit is and Ottawa? Get out of here. They're not getting the number one pick. Yeah, they're they're not very good. All right, why don't we do this? Uh, we're getting this is a post game podcast officially, so we're going to take a little. <laughs> we're going to take a little time. Oh, out. we blew past that a long time ago. <laughs> we're going to take a time out, and we're going to come back and preview the uh, always fun Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they're oh. up next for the Blackhawks. They've been in the news a little bit over the last twenty four hours. Uh, We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back in, friends, to this this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It was supposed to be a post-game show. It's kind of morphing into almost a full-on podcast, but you know what? Let us bless your ears with the gospel that is the Chicago Blackhawks. I did want to point out, Jay, before we jump into our series preview with the Columbus Blue Jackets, you've been talking a lot on the podcast about the new soundboard that you have and how overjoyed you are to have this toy. The best part of it is that I actually get to listen to our bumper music and our theme music in my headphones before we start, whereas before it would just kind of be a cold open to the show. It's been awesome to rock out to those tunes, man. Yeah, that, uh, that's something I hadn't considered because just to let people know, the way James and I usually do the podcast is we hook up to a site called Clean Feed, which connects us audio-wise, and then I record it, and then I just add all the production elements to it. With this new soundboard, the Roadcaster Pro, I can actually do the entire podcast in real time like from my fingertips. That's why I can... Do fancy stuff like this. You hit it right on the button there, Jay. And this. I, I have done a lot of these guys, but I, I got to say, you, this one was probably the the best kind of rhythm. I think you guys have a pretty good handle on things. Thanks, Stan. Thank yeah. you. I enjoyed it. Stuff like that. Just at the, t- at the touch of a button. So that music you heard is courtesy of Greg Henkin. Greg is my guitar teacher. He is awesome. Uh, he wrote those things uh, for the podcast. And I want something upbeat kind of rock and roll but not too like grungy or metally because it doesn't really fit our moods uh greg's guitar lessons.com if you are looking to pick up the guitar they're all done virtually over zoom it's awesome it's really great greg is the best go to the description and any of our bios and all of greg's info is in there you can find him on twitter at greg overtone uh awesome guy He's become a good friend, uh, but an even better guitar teacher. So if you've been looking to pick up an instrument over the quarantine, it's never too late. Hit up gregsguitarlessons.com or at Greg Overtone on Twitter and let them know that uh, Jay and James from the Madhouse podcast sent you. I can't believe we're big time enough to have our own freaking like theme music. That's so freaking cool. Dude. Well, that's out of um, legal <laughs> obligation. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. yeah. I'm sure I'm sure our listeners know if we tried to just rip off music from somebody, we might get in trouble. Well, we were playing The Beautiful People by Marilyn yep. Manson, yeah. uh, which is what the Hawks took the ice to, and we did Stranglehold for a while. We and we did not get any season desist letters about this. I'm guessing because nobody listened to the show back then. No, I well, it was always sort of a risk. Um, but I, as the podcast got bigger, I thought, eh, you know what? I've got this friend. I want to give him. You know, he he's hooking me up with guitar lessons, so I want to 
you know, give him some praise back and some promotion back. So I had him write this music. We put it in all the descriptions. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned Greg Henkin at Greg's guitar lessons.com. Cause he's awesome. Love it. Uh, Love it. Awesome. Awesome dude. All right. Next up for the high flying cold steel on ice, Chicago Blackhawks are the Columbus blue jackets who just added Patrick line. And sure enough, as they had Patrick line, John Tortorella benches, Patrick. John Laine. Tortorella does John Tortorella. E thanks. Amazing. Oh my god! It's so funny. It's so funny. I saw it last night because someone, the way I saw it, was someone posted a side by side of the ice time that Pierre Luc Dubois got before he got traded, and it said like benched, and then it was the same thing for uh, Line. I'm like, oh, that can't be real. He didn't really bench him. Sure enough, what is the Line's sure third like third game with Columbus? Uh fourth game, and he had already scored three goals in those games. Oh my god. Now, I wonder why Panarin and Bobrovsky and star players are not staying in Columbus. Hmm. It's so hard to figure out. I saw an interesting report today. I think it was even from Aaron Portsline who said there are rumblings that this might actually be John Tortorella trying to get himself fired. <laughs> it's like what? he's just doing everything he can <laughs> to lose the job. That's essentially what it seems like right now. Like it, it's um, what was the show? The producers was the movie that they had tried. They were trying to make it a musical that was so awful that it would like get canceled after one performance, and they would make a bunch of money. And it ended up that everybody loved it, and they had to like keep doing it. Wasn't that how the producers went? I believe so. I believe that's correct. It's it's almost like John Tortorella is Matthew Broderick or Nathan Lane, whichever role you want to assign him. He's trying to get fired, and they won't do it. Well, if he keeps it up, a bunch of Tortorella supporters are going to storm the capital of Ohio. So just keep your eye on that. Just to do the worst job possible, and people will love you forever. Look out, Mike DeWine. You're next. <sighs> Good Lord. Um, um, so anyway, yeah. the, the Blue Jackets <laughs> are coming back to Chicago. Theoretically, they- a little bit of a schedule break for the Hawks after Carolina and Dallas. They've got... Columbus and the mighty Red Wings. Um, oh, thank God we get to play them again. So, I don't know, man. It's so hard to preview series because it's like I feel like you and me are waiting for the other shoe to drop on the Blackhawks. But maybe I they just took seven of eight from Carolina and Dallas. I expect I, good results against Detroit and Columbus then. I hate to be this guy, Uh-oh. but I think the Red Wings are allowing fans at Little Caesars Arena. So if the, if Blackhawks fans want to go up to Detroit, I think you can get in. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just wait. We're almost there. We're, we're <laughs> almost there. Throw some octopi on the ice. <laughs> do it. A few more months, guys. We can do this. Come on. I, I do not intend to make the trip. Let's just go ahead and I'll throw that out there, but... I just saw on ESPN that there are tickets available to those games, and I was like, wait a minute, really? I heard a concert uh, commercial on a score today for uh, the weekend's tour. I'm like, uh, 2022 is when he's going yeah, on still. tour. Oh, speaking of that, saw on Notre Dame's Facebook page today, we're announcing a series against the Florida Gators starting in 2031. Like, cool. I'm going to put that in my calendar right now. Thank you. Thanks for the heads um, I believe up. they I believe they even have a, a series scheduled out further than that, I think, against Oklahoma. Well, we all look forward to that when I'll be in my 50s. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, NHL players who get drafted this year were born in the year 2003, the year that I graduated <sighs> high school. Mwah. Good night, everybody. I was two years out of college. 
Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? Let's talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, if we just really end the sad. podcast, I just want to oh. <laughs> go. I'm going to go drink heavily. No, go ahead. <laughs> Give them their All right, so freaking when, Blue Jackets okay, What update. did we learn about I'm the Blue pout. Jackets the first times these guys te- these two teams played? What lessons do we carry forward now? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I've, I'm under the impression that they're just a really solid team, and every time you play Columbus, they're going to give you a game. It's going to mm-hmm. be competitive. They're going to play hard. Um, they're probably better than the sum of their parts, while at the same time having awesome players that a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I feel like every game against Columbus is kind of a coin flip. Who's their leading scorer right now, Jay? Oh, boy. Off the top of my head, I have no idea. I'm not even going to venture a guess. Nick Foligno. Uh Nick Foligno is tied for the team lead in goals. He is in third with seven points. Is it Zach Wierenski, defenseman? It is not. Mm. Seth Jones. Nope. Rick Nash. <laughs> Lyle Odelon. Not Riley Nash either. No, I meant Rick. I'm just going through classic Columbus Blue Jackets because I'm old enough I to have I just think it's funny exist. that they have, a, they have Riley Nash and they had Rick Nash. I was just pointing that yeah. out. Yeah. Jody Shelley. Ron Tugnut. Marco Dano. All right. Wait, no, no, sorry. It was Jeremy Morin. My bad. Um, No, Dano was a Blue Jacket. Was he, Jeremy Warren a Blue Jacket? I don't know. Oh, Who's the leading man, scorer? Give it to me. Okay, so if you play fantasy hockey, which, no. by the way, we have an announcement oh, to yeah. make about that. If you play fantasy hockey, odds are you are very familiar with the exploits of one Oliver Bjorkstrand, who leads the Blue Jackets with four goals, leads them with seven assists, and leads them with 23 penalty minutes. He's a good player. He is. I really enjoyed watching him play. Uh, Alexander Texier Texier? has four goals. Tied for the team leading goals for the Blue Jackets. Anyway, fantasy hockey, Jay, go, promote, do this thing. All right. Take we, our money. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, the idea of having a FanDuel weekly game. And I spoke with the people at FanDuel, and the only way we can really do this is by forming a league. Okay? So that's what I did. If you go to the Madhouse Podcast Twitter, you'll see a tweet I sent last night saying, hey, we started this FanDuel League. We're going to play every Thursday night, regardless of who's playing that night, if the Hawks are playing or not. It just has to be once a week, so we chose Thursdays because it's usually a pretty busy slate of games. Um, so join that league, and in every match, it'll be 5 bucks a, a week, uh, 20 entries per week, and winner takes all. So it's like I think it, it comes out to like the winnings are like 90 bucks or something like that. So... Join it. It'll be fun. And you just draft a team that night. There's going to be like a little bit of a salary cap. And you draft your team accordingly. But it's a lot of fun. Five bucks a week. Uh, come play fantasy hockey with us on FanDuel. Make sure you download. That's on the FanDuel Fantasy app. They also have the Sportsbook app, which is different. This is just the FanDuel Fantasy app. Create your account. Make sure you follow that link when you create your account because that helps us out as well. Um, and then join our league, and we'll have uh, we'll have a ton of fun just playing fantasy hockey once a week with each other. And again, you're... how'd you do on wagering on the Super Bowl? By the way, speaking of FanDuel, real bad. I didn't bet a lot though. Um, I bet I always do first touchdown, and I I uh, bet on Travis Kelsey. That was over quick. And then <laughs> after the first quarter, there were pretty attractive odds on the Chiefs winning. So I jumped on those, and I, I but that's it. I just I lost both, but I did win 
100 bucks in squares and Super Bowl squares. So I Very broke nicely done. I, I broke more than even. I I won a couple of bets. I the main one that I was proud of was uh first sack before the first touchdown, which I did win. I, I had a ticket for Devin White to win MVP of the Super Bowl. Led the Buccaneers in tackles, had the interception at the end of the game. If he had won, I had plus 5,000 odds on Devin White. I would have made a nice little tidy sum of money, but unfortunately Tom Brady had other ideas. Yeah, I just felt like if whoever the MVP was going to be, it was going to be a quarterback, especially if it was Tampa. If Tampa won, you knew that Brady was going to have to play well, and then if he played good to or above average, he was going to win the MVP. So right. the, there was the uh, I forgot I changed my Kelsey one. The Kelsey one was a combo bet. It was Kelsey first touchdown, Mahomes MVP. That went really poorly for you. I know, but when you make that bet, you're like, all right, that was a, I would have won like it was a ten dollar bet. I would have won like hundred and ninety, like some like really big number. Did you see the Pat McAfee bet where he had like the six leg parlay involving like touchdowns for it was like Gronk, Fournette, and Antonio Brown, and then a couple other things? He turned five hundred bucks into like twenty eight thousand or something Damn. like that. See, those are fun. I like those. Those like yeah, when you stack the parlays, I gotta start Not doing to men- that more often. I, I won't mention that he lost thirty thousand dollars on the coin flip of the game. So <laughs> that's, that's dumb. <laughs> I mean, you deserve We're, it. We're we're so far off the path on this. Um, this this clearly shows how invested we are in these upcoming games against Columbus. Just because I get to sit there and watch John Tortorella's smug, stupid face as he sits there in his little sweater vest, and he has the gleam in his eye as he benches star players, and you know acts like a benevolent dictator. Essentially, you could have stopped it, benevolent dick. Um, I just hope Hey-o. the Hawks play well enough to have him bench a superstar. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Can we bet on that on FanDuel? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'll look into it. But yeah, make sure to go to the Madhouse Podcast Twitter at Madhouse Pod. Uh, find that invite. I'll retweet it uh, right now so it'll be easier to find. And join us on Thursday for some fantasy hockey. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hawks play Thursday and Saturday. Saturday. So we'll probably talk to you on Monday. I would look for our next podcast on Monday. But until then, for my partner, James DeVoe, this is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marichka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, available at Walmart. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.